This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Pirates of Politics UK. I'm Johnny again. Gus is here again. Hello again. Wagwan. We're not, we're, not, we're, we're not that informal, I suppose. Yes, good, good, good. As Adam progresses with his crazy, I, I'm going to call it individual search for, for a vision for his future. That's a, that's a nice way of saying he's busy with applications and, and stressed out to the hell out, which has been the case for a few weeks. Um, so Johnny's giving him some compassionate leave from the podcast, which means that he can source himself out. And in his presence, we have a sorted out member to replace. And not only is Gus very well educated and written on particular political stratosphere, but the thing you cannot see on the podcast is just how amazing his backing looks. I said coming in, it was like he was ready for a press conference with a desk, a pen, some paper, and a flag behind him, a neutral flag, I might add. Yeah, not a, not a, it's not a GB flag or an England flag for that matter. It could have been, though. It could it have been because... blue Peter. Is it? Yeah, it's a sailing flag. Is it? I didn't, yeah. You see, I didn't even ask this beforehand. That was what, a blue Peter flag. Fantastic. Um, it could have been an England flag, though, and I wouldn't have even... No one would hold, could hold that against you because patriotism... At the time of sport, like the European Championships, with England progressing into the latter stages of the tournament, it's probably, you know, there's that you can't really begrudge patriotism at a time like this, can you? Um, I suppose not, as long as it doesn't go too far. Obviously. I did actually used to have a Union Jack up there. You did? Uh, when I was when I was younger, but uh, my parents made me take it down when I was like 14. Uh, it, was, it was just... Uh, before the whole Brexit thing started to uh, really ramp up. Well, I, I think and I it would did say... give off some of the wrong signals. Yes. And I think I was getting old enough to understand that it was giving off some of the wrong signals. Well, that's so a shame, we, really, yeah. isn't it? It's a shame because it's I don't. Been ruined, it's been ruined for me by the nationalists. <laughs> that's what, it's a shame, really, because it's, it's in no way, shape, or form should it represent nationalism, should it? I mean, in, in generally, it should. It's a flag for the country. Exactly. Like, you know? But, you know, again, when, when people take on board some of these images, some of these symbols, and then they use it for their own agenda of course the union uh, the st george's cross has been used the union jack has been used in um negative situations and negative uh, circumstances then you get this negative image it's quite sad that really but anyway before we uh, delve into your youth anymore we'll move on to the main topics at hand one of which i mean there's been so much really to go out and the big topic this week really um is it has been it's been almost a continuation really of what happened the back end of last week, just before I recorded my thoughts for last week, um, or sorry, just after I recorded my thoughts for last week, the whole Matt Hancock incident came out. It was absolute carnage, absolute madness. It got even more precedence because there were no European Championship football games being taking place on that day, I don't think. Um, Perfect timing. I, might be wrong, actually. It might have been, but it didn't feel like it because it felt like it got... I don't think, I, I don't think there was. It got a whole day of unrivaled coverage. Now, for those of you that don't know what happened with Matt Hancock... Matt Hancock, Health Secretary uh, in the UK, has been basically one of the main men in charge of the UK's coronavirus pandemic response uh, since, well, 
since it, oh, the coronavirus came about, but May, March 2020, Feb 2020, the UK, um, around that time. And, and, and basically, um, his time is at an end in this, in this response. Why? Well, it could have it could have been a multitude of reasons, but the, the the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, was the fact that Matt Hancock, during a time when we were supposed to be isolating, staying at home, and avoiding contact with others, got a bit frisky with his um, with with one of his governmental aides, and not only is that a bad thing, he's also married. So the fact he wasn't the fact he was married isn't really the reason he was forced to step down, or well, he chose to step down. It's more to do with the fact that it's a, well, the, another error on top of a multitude of errors that have basically resigned him to a fate of, well, um, I suppose... A, a, a Losing un- his job. Yes, pretty much. I mean, to be honest, Gus, I suppose the fact that he lost, the fact that he's had an affair, it's come out in the blue, he ha- he's going to have to leave his wife and his children, and he's got all that sort out. Probably made his decision even easier because what's worth bearing in mind is despite another error from the health secretary, um, you know, showing flagrant disregard or blatant disregard for the, uh, the restrictions and the rules that he helped put in place, Boris Johnson, the prime minister, actually the said... Exactly what Boris Johnson actually said I'm sticking by him. I accept his apology. It was actually Matt Hancock who said, you know what, I'm going to step down. Now, obviously, you could argue that he's been forced to do it. But the day before he did it, he said, I'm not stepping down. Boris Johnson said, I don't want him to step down. I'm sticking by him. So it does seem like a, a maybe a, am almost going to say to sort his own life out kind of decision because... Really, we we also the memes, particularly in the UK, what had happened. Yeah. It was re- really redefined. There was no hiding place after that, was there? Uh, not really. Couldn't really get away from it. The only real chance, the only real chance he would have was to just get out of the public eye. Mm. Um, I think Boris. I don't think we should be too surprised that uh, Boris backed him, uh, mm. given perhaps some of uh, Boris's uh, personal circumstances um but i think to be fair i always think that boris would have uh backed him in public uh rather than throwing him under the bus kind of thing Mm. uh, and then quietly forced him out behind the scenes i think that's potentially the more respectful way to do it to a member of staff Mm. Um, however perhaps it it does give the wrong message to (laughs) to the rest of the public it's it's it was a balancing act and i I think in this uh, situation, he probably did uh, pick the wrong uh, pick the wrong approach. Well, yeah, I mean, many people argued he, he lacked leadership by basically whimsically bowing down to another member of staff that had, you know, shown complete disregard for the rules that the country had been expected to follow for a very long period of time, and. The my my line of thinking again was, you know, when, when Dominic Cummings. In 20, you know, right back at the start of 2020 with Barnard Castle, where Dominic Cummings obviously broke the lockdown rules, then did the press conference and then was backed by Boris Johnson. Dominic Cummings could then go back to his wife, his family, and essentially hide away there, reconcile, sort himself out. Of his life. Yeah. Whereas in this situation, Matt Hancock can't go back to his wife. He's got to work out what to do now. He seems to have told governmental pals that he's going to pursue a relationship uh, with 
Gina Coladanglo. Coladanglo. There we go. I think that's right. Apologies, Gina, if I've got that wrong, if she's listening, which I'm Um, sure she isn't. (laughs) (laughs) But he wants to apparently stuff. So from my point of view, it feels like this is far from political, this decision to step down. This is all about, well, obviously it's been pushed by that, but it's mainly about getting his own life back on track because I don't think he knows what the heck he's going to do now, I don't think certainly in terms either. of his private life. I think he's uh, I think he's in a better position than most people would be if, they had, if they'd done something like this at work, though, to be fair. Yes, um, yeah. Sure. Uh, but he probably when did when did the Tories get in power? Twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. But they've been in power for you mean this? Particular yeah, that, when, yeah. He probably thought when he took the job of health secretary that he was going to get like a nice easy time. <laughs> I know. Yeah. He probably thought you know what health secretary's all right. You can kind of just maintain the status quo. Just yeah, keep I, things yeah. over. You'll be all right. And then, and then COVID happened. You're thinking, oh my god! And he's one of the senior members, literally at the forefront yeah. of everything. I mean, the thing is, though, Matt. Obviously, Matt Hancock shouldn't be dismissed for having an affair because people have an affair. People have affairs all the time. It's not a sackable offence, even in a. Just in the a fact bit. that it's a, a member of his uh, advisory team who he hired. Mm. Again, again, while skeptical, I still don't think that you know hiring someone who you know. By all accounts, she had quite a good track record. She went to Oxford University. I don't think, you know... It's a slippery slope, though, isn't it? It's a slippery slope, but that wasn't the... You know, know, people calling for the head for the hypocrisy of everything. But the point is, really, a lot of people were asking, why did it get to this point, even, with Matt Hancock? Because, of course, there's been a lot of disasters. The PPE disaster, where we've had shortages across the board. The care homes disaster, where care homes were left unprepared for the COVID wave that hit, massively uh, underprepared and and, and uh, underappreciated even, because a lot of the the resources were actually going to NHS, leaving care homes really struggling on the front lines. Also got test and trace, uh, circuit test and trace, which was dubbed NHS test and trace, which was essentially privatising the pandemic in many ways sending it to a company that, that I think spent £12 billion to make an app that didn't really work, when in actual fact you could have probably got an app that worked for a fraction of that price. Uh, and then just I generally... Yeah, exactly. And then just generally being an advocate in many ways for mate, um, you know, mates, mates rates or contracts for mates within the government, which is, again, something we've seen quite a lot of, particularly with this government, where if you've got... Uh, a number of someone on the front on the front cabinet uh, on the front bench. Sorry, uh, you have seemingly uh, primary access to uh, some of the biggest contracts that are going in the UK, and, and and nothing scarier is that than than in the middle of a global pandemic where you're essentially not choosing the best, most cost the cost effective and best solution. You're choosing uh, to overspend on the not proven solutions because you happen to be friends with some of the people who who are getting that money. So all of that considered, really, it should never have really got to this point with Hancock, should it? I mean, it should have been gone quite a while ago. What happened to what happened to firing someone for just good old-fashioned incompetence, you know? Oh, yeah, well, um, I mean... Or I, just uh, at, least, at least corruption and or nepotism. But I argue, um, though, again, you know, it's like you said, Boris Johnson wouldn't look at Matt Hancock, would he, and say, oh, having an affair, that's not, that's not good behaviour. This is a man who's had... Oof. 
He's had more affairs than hot that'd dinners. That'd be hypocrisy again. Yeah, he's had more that'd affairs than hot dinners. Hypocrisy on the hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, you know it, it's madness. And then he can't look at probably Matt Hancock and say, "Oh, you've been doing dodgy deals and 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 with friends, and you shouldn't have been doing that, and you've been acting in a in an ungovernmental way." Because Boris Johnson, no doubt, has done similar things and acted in similar ways. And the fact is, when you've got a group uh, or a government who all act very similarly and all have this sort of same attitude and they do things in a, in, a, in a way that would be argued not to be traditionally governmental, then you're in a sticky situation, aren't you? Because arguably anyone who gets dismissed, you could say, well, you've done similar things or you've acted in a similar way. And then before you know it, you've lost a whole, you've lost a whole government because yeah. essentially they're all in the same boat. Yeah. He has to be very careful about not exposing himself as someone who should be uh, ousted in the way that he, Removes uh, Hancock from the cabinet. Mm. I mean, generally though, Hancock would you should he have gone before? Should he have gone now? Should he still be there? Uh, I mean, he probably should have gone before. But how much? If they'd have fired him in the middle of the first lockdown or in the in the middle of the test and trace thing, it probably would have just set us back a few months at least. Yeah, it's not. They've not really had a nice cushy period where they can just sort of fire him and get uh, get the new person in and get them up to speed and pick up where he left off. Mm. And you feel uh, that Hancock really has been riding the wave of the vaccine rollout. It's sort of had his, he's sort of been the poster boy, hasn't he? As well as the conservatives. Yeah. Hancock has been the poster boy for the speedy vaccine rollout. The excellent start to the, to the pandemic response the conservatives have had in 2021 for a good few months. Uh, and Hancock yeah. was getting praised quite a bit for that, I think. Yeah, he was. It's the, uh, just the all the eggs in one basket approach, which I think I've we've sort of talked about before. Yeah, it's just like if if you know the seems a while the, ago the that now, doesn't the, it? Uh, it does seem a while ago. The last <laughs> bit, they, they probably think the last bit of the pandemic is going to be the bit where everyone gets vaccinated from it. So everyone's going to remember the last bit. So we'll just make sure we do the last bit right. Yeah, yeah. and then obviously uh, couldn't. And they have done the last that. bit right. To be fair, uh, mm-hmm. credit where it's due. They've done I- a good job with the last bit, but. Is it the last bit though? That's the thing. Probably That's... not at this point. <laughs> That's um, the thing. Don't people you... are people are claiming. I know a fair few people are claiming that they've had both vaccines and they've still got it and all this kind of stuff. I know they're yeah. only meant to be between seventy and ninety-five percent effective, yeah. Yeah. but it seems like quite a lot of people have had both vaccines and still seem to say, "Oh, I've got it here. What's going on?" Well, we, you know, for this podcast, we've been building up really to. Uh, june the 21st and we've passed that endpoint so we're now in sequel corona uh pandemic uh, i don't know what we call we're in that. the contingency Co- that should have been there all along covid 19 2.0 is it is it is in is in is in session um covid 20 that's that would have been a better <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> i don't know what i was really going with there um, we're in covid 21 now at this point we are honest. we are we are yeah yeah because because it just struck me now it hasn't just struck me now but obviously the 19 related to 2019 when apparently it first came about in china although it wasn't discovered properly or public knowledge till 2020 of january in china but coming off of that then bigger issue uh, so, as I said, Conservative vaccine rollout has been a huge success and I think it's kept public opinion fairly positive. But stemming from this Hancock debacle, um, now, obviously, as you well know, as if you're not in the UK, you might not know, 
there has been a rise in cases, which has come about because of the easing of restrictions and the easing of the lockdown, which is inevitable. That's going to happen. Now, we've also discussed before that the rise in deaths hasn't been too high, but the rise in cases has been quite high. It's been, you know, it's jumped up quite a lot. Um, so some suggestions have been that we might have to reimpose certain restrictions or we might not fully go to the freedom that we all expected to have uh, for the summer and for the autumn months. That is that is being speculated. The current new date of freedom is 19th of July, but nothing is certain. New uh, Health Secretary Sajid Javid has basically said what you'd expect him to say is along the lines of we want uh, to uh, we want to unravel all the restrictions on uh, Ju July the nineteenth. We want to get back to normal. Well, obviously, you know it's nothing we do nothing we don't know really. But um, there was nothing definitive about it. Now, with the rising cases, we've we've said this before. Because rising cases, rising deaths. If you look at rising deaths, there's an argument you could actually just plow through, take the hit. Sounds brutal, but the rising deaths really isn't too high compared to the rising cases. But if you look, we're at all it, right at the moment. I think we're still on. Like it's picked up, in, it's in the twenties at the moment, but the mm. seven-day average is seventeen across which the massive. across England or the United Kingdom. Uh, across the whole UK. Yeah, um, and I don't. I mean, I'm just spitballing here, but I don't think anyone who's been vaccinated, certainly anyone who's been vaccinated twice and had the full time for the vaccine to de to develop immunity, has died from it. Mm. Still, potentially, people who've been vaccinated once. Yeah. Uh, potentially we're already quite ill or people who haven't been vaccinated yet. Um, yeah, no, it's fair. I think 23 deaths over a whole country is not that many a day. No. Uh, that's flu. I would say that's flu territory maybe. Yeah, I would um, say. I think that's the thing. We're going to get worse in the winter again, but. Well, it depends what you, depends what you basically, if you basically on cases, the rise that, that, that they have, then obviously it looks a lot worse, doesn't it? Essentially, because I think yeah. we've got we've got the highest uh, cases. Uh, on twenty thousand a day now. Yeah, and it's and I think it's the highest. I, I did write this down. Now I can't find it. This is why I need one of your pen and paper pads with a desk in front of me, like you do. But I think it is uh, highest cases since mid, mid February, which is um, again it says it says all you need to know. And by that definition, by that analysis, you would say if you want to lower the cases and want to lower the infection rate again, a completely different point of conversation, then you might have to impose some new measures or or, or maybe slow down the, the complete rollout to freedom. However, what I would say is that with the Hancock news and with everything that's really good, I mean, it, it's not just Hancock that's you know, shown disregard for the rules. Uh, we've had Cummings, as I touched on. We had Stanley Johnson right at the start in the 2020. It shows quite a disregard for anything, to be honest with you. Um, we had, I remember when the pubs were in serious restrictions and, and uh, the government had their own parliament bars that basically didn't, those restrictions didn't apply to. Uh, we've seen several MPs who have shown um, a disregard for the rules, some of which have, some of whom have resigned, some of whom have been sacked, some of whom have stayed. Um, and obviously, I think in quite a lot of occasions, we've seen Boris Johnson do public events as he's gone around the UK, sometimes wearing a mask, sometimes not wearing a mask, sometimes socially distancing, sometimes not socially distancing. Sometimes and shaking people's hands. Sometimes shaking people's hands. And in particular, he went to a G7 meeting when Joe Biden came over and it was a G7 meeting a few weeks back. They went to Buckingham Palace. And it was an amazing uh, video where he's talking with the Queen. Uh, I think Biden's there. I think someone else is there. All these quite big senior figures. No masks. 
no social distancing. And yet in the background, there's some people, some members of staff working at Buckingham Palace wearing a mask and, and, and socially distancing. So in that same picture, you've got these high ranking people showing no regard for the rules. And then you've got some people who are working on the event who are wearing masks and all the PPE. So the more you see this and the more all of this gathers, if they have to make some decisions about either adding some restrictions or slowing down the, the freedom course, who's going to listen? It seems like it's very much a case of do as I say, not as I do mm. kind of thing. And they're just hoping to uh, enforce it. But yeah, I think there's, this might be the straw that breaks the camel's back mm. um, in terms of, you know, like everyone's sort of get Everyone, everyone could sort of, uh, everyone could sort of put the Cummings thing behind them and say, "Oh, okay, it's just Cummings it's and going. Yeah. It's just one. Just trying to, <laughs> just trying to understand the lockdown. Everyone's made a small mistake. It's all right, you know. Everyone's driven really two hundred miles to Bardog right. Castle to test their eyes. He's out of the kids in the everyone, back. <laughs> he's out of the government. Small, well, not a small mistake, but a mistake Bold. that. Uh, <laughs> A mistake that people could make, and everyone thinks, "Yeah, I've, I've, I've made a, I've, I've, I've made a small mistake before breaking the lockdown." I mean, I think that's quite generous, to be fair, for Cummings. I must say, but people, people were probably people were cross, but it's not like as as public of, uh, it's not as a public of, uh, of an affair. (laughs) Literally, (laughs) very literally. Um, Sorry, this one is all over the news. There's no denying that it's it's. It's it's totally it's a total breach of the rules. Um, at least Cummings sort of didn't really go near anyone, or at least he claims he didn't. You don't know, do you? Uh, this one's this one's caught in 4K, you know. I, I hope to God he's not gone near Carrie Simmons. That would be um, <laughs> that would be crazy, wasn't it? Boris Johnson's um, you know recent wife to be, um, but you just don't know. I mean, it's like a it's like a crazy game of of. Um, cat and mouse it's almost like a an espionage thriller in the government at the moment with cummings the the leak it's not quite as exciting as that it's more like a comedy actually as opposed i to reckon it. cummings has it out for the rest of the cabinet now you know I reckon oh you, you think one one. you think i think I, yeah i think I, he's been he was the one who for a while i there's there's a, a conspiracy or a theory that he's the one who placed the camera maybe oh, surprised. you wouldn't be surprised would you this man's a very surprised i tell you what despite everything very clever man, certainly knows how to manipulate public opinion, certainly knows how to win uh, big political uh, movements. And yeah, th- this seems like child's play, to be honest. I mean, he's basically releasing daily text messages from the WhatsApp chats that he's had with Boris Johnson. And, <laughs> well, he and just knows, he just knows, he knows that they're all in it together and he knows that he's got nothing to lose now, but he knows that they've done enough that he can bring them down with him. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, uh, and that's why you don't sack Dominic Cummings. Maybe that's why you don't hire Dominic Cummings, but then I suppose like almost like uh, the risk that you take to get to the top, I suppose it's yeah. a bit like one of those where you, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to hire someone like that who knows kind of I don't know, the savvy secret ways of, of success, but then he's gonna stab you in the back if you try to do anything uh, to get yeah. him out of, the, out of that club. Um but yeah, no, it, it's um it's yeah, I, what, what, what I would say is, and I, I've been talking to a few people now, so quite a few, I work with people who have children. Uh, obviously, they still go to, um, they're, they're in primary schools now. And, and a lot of the parents are being asked to test children regularly. And 
um, if they get a positive test, they've got to declare it, and then the classes will be off if, if, if in that instance, if they've spent a lot of time with the child, and it's leading to a lot of classes being decimated. It's even talk about remote learning returning uh, for schools, not just for schools, actually, but for universities in the next academic year uh, to remain on remote learning uh, forms. Thank God we did ours when we did ours. Yeah, um, I, I only missed the last term. I was all right, really. wasn't too bad. Fairly lightly. I only missed uh, my my final bit part of my China experience, as well as about seven hundred pounds worth of goods that's still there. I was completely free to on your laptop. I forgot about the degree. <laughs> that's worse, actually, as well. Yeah, it's in good hands. That's like twenty-seven thousand pounds worth of goods right there. Yeah. Well. 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 Let's not. Let's not make it. Let's not. Um, break johnny's back as opposed to camels it's um you know it's quite it's a burden to think about I mean, actually. you can get another one right what a back <laughs> or a degree, uh, degree I mean, certificate i know yeah. I, I won't want another back to be honest with you but uh yeah it's um it, it aside from all of that like i say a lot of these parents um are stringently following the rules they are quite scared about the coronavirus they are following the uh test and trace regulations still quite thoroughly um so Hence, we see, you know, obviously quite a rise in cases and, and, and some worries, particularly in the Northwest. Um, so on that, from that point of view, I suppose even when children are involved, I suppose it's even more of a concern, uh, the coronavirus. Yeah. It's something you take a bit more seriously, I suppose, when children are involved because you're going to be protective of them. And I guess there's still a lot of people in support, from what I've heard, particularly parents, uh, in making sure that the children follow the right guidelines. If they get positive symptoms, they stay off. If if other people do it, they keep their kids off. Um, so potentially, is there still go- is there going to have to be appetite when you hear about third doses and fourth doses coming in this year on top for over fifties and potentially under fifties? You just get the sense that this is a bit of a Groundhog Day scenario. I mean, me and Adam said, Gus, actually, that we thought 2021 as a year would basically be a write-off anyway. And the fact that we were coming into what we thought was a, a freedom summer, and it's now not looking like as much of a freedom summer, isn't too surprising, really. Um, yeah, I think if you if you had realistic expectations, like you and Adam perhaps did, <laughs> then you're just happy to get anything out of the year. Um, and I think, yeah, perhaps if you're, yeah, if you've got realistic expectations, then you, you'd be happy to get anything. But I think if you believe what the government have been saying, uh, and you've, and you've kind of been following along, oh, just one more lockdown, just one more lockdown. No, if you like that. Quite disappointed, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think uh, if anything, the first eight, nine, 10 month response to the pandemic tells you that you shouldn't follow everything that the government are telling you because um, you shouldn't believe anything that the government told you. Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. Cause <laughs> that's okay. Line somewhere. There's, there's yeah. These vaccines there's, are controlling my mind. Okay. Come believe, on. believe what the government tells you, but at the end of the day, there's some, there's some uncertainty that they cannot predict which is this extra wave Mm. um after perhaps quite a long lockdown after perhaps the the vaccine program Mm. got rolled out uh very efficiently Mm. um i don't think anyone would have expected this third wave i think from the signs that we saw Mm. uh in sort of mid-march uh early april this was going to be a a free a free summer 
Yes. That's contrary to what people would have believed at the start yes. of the year if you told them. Mm. Um, yeah, granted, these, these are our thoughts at the start of the year. When the vaccine rollout was going as well as it did, Boris's roadmap looked like it was going on track. We did think more optimistically. However, start of the year prediction, not something I'm proud of if it does come into fruition, by the way. I'm certainly not proud of that. I'd rather certainly see the country um, go back to its... Uh, it's state of freedom, go back to a sense of normality or whatever normal that will be. But it was just a precaution that we're in the middle of a pandemic. And to be honest with you, this government at the time weren't doing a particularly good job. Then they surprised us all for a while and now it's going the other way again. Um, so quite how this one goes, quite how the sequel goes. Uh, if I'm, it's still ha- I'm happy with the level we're at for a little while. We're longer. okay at the moment, aren't I we? I don't have more than six friends, so it's kind of... Uh... <laughs> So it's so it's perfect. It suits me down to the ground. Fantastic. Fantastic. I don't really need to go. Uh, I don't really have any great desire to go clubbing. Yeah. Uh, the weather's nice enough to sit outside at the pub. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic. There you go. I'm, so I'm, I'm the guest doesn't want normal, really. He just wants it to stay. He just this, wants is, it. this is normal enough for the moment, I would say. Nightclub owners will disagree and share some discrepancy. Nightclub owners will disagree. Yeah. I'm sure people in the, in the entertainment ho- in the, industry... In the holiday industry as well. In the holiday industry. You can go on holiday. Perhaps not as... With a cha- It'd be a challenge though, wouldn't it? It would a be challenge. a challenge, yeah. That, the, the... I'm meant to be going on holiday this summer. Yeah, Greece. Um, Greece, yep. And I will Greek have had club. both my vaccines then though, so they should, Yeah. fingers crossed, let me in. Is that on the... Uh, what, what, what's that on the list now? Ginger. No <laughs> it, it might be. It might be. It might be Amber, where you, you shouldn't ginger. go, but I they'll still Amber. let you go. I meant Amber. I don't know. I said Ginger. Um, uh, they where yeah they 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 openly admit that you shouldn't go, but they're not in any position to tell you that you can't. Oh, but, but you have to quarantine. If I've, my, if I've had both my, I won't have to quarantine if I've had both my vaccines. Ah. Well, that's good, isn't um, it? I've oh, as a disclaimer, I think I've said this before, but I have had both my vaccines, and you know, you have. I've oh. only had one. Yeah. So uh, as I get it, I don't know if I've announced this on Pint and Poll, but I have had both my vaccines, and no, I did not suffer any obvious side effects. Uh, just probably got a five G mask growing out of your shoulder. Well, actually, to be fair, my phone signal has gone amazingly well since having it done. I am now, yeah, like I say, an official five G hotspot. So anyone, you know, want to come and meet me in a two meter distance apart and that would be absolutely fantastic um but uh yes i mean a few other things now a few other stories so much really obviously covid's always you know i actually thought when i started doing the political podcast that, well no i didn't because i started doing it during the pandemic but i actually did think that brexit would be more prominent i did i i've <laughs> spoken a bit about it from time to time and it is still prominent but to be honest this is this is always 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 90 percent of the time not quite always but most of the time is always at the forefront of all political news and, and discussion, uh, for better and for worse, and usually for worse. Uh, sometimes it gives us something to talk about, though. It does, it does. But again, like I say, the, the intricacies of Brexit, the intricacy, you know, the thing that keeps everyone up at night. That's uh, you know, even those in America, um, you know, and I, and I say that I say that tongue in cheek, but then there are some business owners that literally do stay up at night thinking about how uh, their business will survive given these. Uh, changes to uh to the to the regulations they followed their entire life but that's for another day it's for another day can't put brexit in there's too much to discuss really today um 
I'm sure that'll be a dissertation for someone it, somewhere. It, it, how it will, how Brexit it will. affected the uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic. Oh response. yeah, yeah. I mean, it will be. Uh, it's it, it, it will be. It, it will be a topic for sure. It might be a topic next week. It might. You know, Brexit needs to be. I mean, I, I half discussed it last week, but I was only putting my own thoughts together in monologue form because Adam cancelled last minute. But um, it does need to be a proper debate. That does need to happen. Um, other things. Gavin Williamson, everyone's favourite education secretary said no one but i don't think anyone who's been education secretary. i didn't even know i didn't even know who was the uh, education secretary you see he's had quite a, he's had a quite a, quite quite a quiet time of it uh gavin uh i usually i remember michael gove used to get panned from all our teachers when he was in charge actually to be fair because he tried to make the education system Probably tougher deserved. yeah now it's uh now it's gavin williamson and he's uh he's he has a desire with the new academic year upon us to ban all phones from the classroom Banning all phones. Now, actually, at our school, all phones were banned. But... They were for me as well. But, but people still misbehaved. Yes. But I do think that coming into the technological era that we're in, which is more technological than it was when I was at school, I think we should embrace phones more. Learn skills. I think we should embrace yeah. phones. How many, how many times, you know, have you wanted to know something in class and you think, damn, if only I could just Google that really quickly. Never. It's always up there. Always upstairs, okay. yeah. I'm Always upstairs. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, but you know, no, it's fair point. Um, and also, well, just... well, how many times has a teacher mentioned someone? Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, and you've thought, say, let's say in history, for example, right? Yeah. So your teacher's talking about, uh, I'll just use an example: medicine through time, because that's what I did uh, my, as part of my history. GCC. Keeps me up at night. That does. And they, well, they they mention uh, a particular a particular figure, a particular era, a particular time, and they kind of gloss over it a little bit and you think, oh, there could be another fact there that I want to incorporate into, you know, into my wealth of knowledge about this subject. That's really well, really well put, yeah. And you can just and you can just nip it up on your phone, add it into your notes. Yeah. I feel think- like, you know, you've got information at your fingertips. Yeah. And you're still they're trying to ban it. And I don't I mean I haven't had any particular uh experience in schools but a few of my friends are teachers and they don't seem to have any inclination that phones are a massive problem and that kids are any work kids are any less disciplined than they uh than they are when i was at school yeah back in the day um, back in the day back in yeah the day. no I, I i yeah i agree i think it almost is quite archaic that doesn't it when when we used to write everything but nowadays i I think it's important to be able to write first and foremost. I think I think writing handwritten stuff, um, it's important it's to keep useful. up. That. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Typing, on the other hand, yeah, typing will serve you incredibly well. Messaging, um, using emails effectively. I mean, life lessons can be learned on phones, and, and quite frankly, or life lessons can be taught on phones. Probably would have been the better grammatical way to go. Yeah. Um, I but, would say the introduction of a laptop into laptops into classrooms for yeah. note taking. Yeah uh would alleviate a lot of this problem altogether really you'd still get some you would still get some writing skills because certain things like maths and potentially science are quite hard to do on a laptop Mm -hmm. uh you would get typing skills and it would alleviate the need for a phone because you already have the basic purpose of a phone in front of you Mm. I mean, simple um, things like email skills, you know, like email skills. Yeah. 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 
some of the emails I received. Now I'm thinking, where did you do your grammar? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, honestly, I, I was reading one saying misinterpreted, but it was M-I-S-S interpreted. I was really tempted to reply. Is there a misinterpreted? Was she a teacher at that school? No, is there a mystery interpreted? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is she married? Is she, you know? Um, it's um, Ms. Actually, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I digress. But uh, yeah, no, honestly, so I, I both both agree with um, keeping phones certainly in check. Uh, I think I don't I don't agree with. I that. think you can it's, keep them in check, but I think banishing them is is silly. Yeah, There's, they, they have uses. Who they everyone, do have uses? They're like limbs to people now. I mean, even prof- professionals, us, yeah. I say us like we're not professionals, professionals, uh, including us. <laughs> I'm sure Matt Hancock uh, didn't, wasn't there a, wasn't there a, just linking back to that, wasn't yeah. there a, um, uh, a leak or a breach that he, or a story that he used his personal email account yes. on his phone to send work emails? And WhatsApp, yeah. I and imagine, WhatsApp. I imagine. Well, WhatsApp's encrypted, to be fair. But yeah. I still imagine. Not that happens quite i'm i don't know but i would imagine that happens quite a lot particularly with this government who seem to do things quite a lot more colloquially or casually or different to how you imagine i just find it so strange how uh people like i work in an industry where the 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 private emails uh have to be kept out of work Mm. Uh, you can use your phone at work but you can't use your phone for work Mm. Uh, and my parents have worked in industries like that and i don't have a massive uh i don't find it massively difficult to uh to to resist sending work emails on my phone Mm. so if everyone else can manage it why can't the people in charge of the country well i imagine there'd be certain things that you might want to keep on your work emails Yes, exactly. But again, I don't even I don't find that shocking at all. I mean, people might go, oh, "What's going on?" But more, I more think, "Oh yeah, that probably happens quite regularly." Hence, why there's no massive deal made about it in within the government themselves. Because I just think that's just going to open a whole new kind of words, which you probably already know exists. I am presuming maybe they all follow the guidelines. Reputation, however, suggests to me they probably don't. The the yeah, the inclination mm. and the reputation are already set in stone. It's just mm. the evidence that is not available yet. Yep. Okay. Chris Whitty, wonderful science advisor, harassed by Yobbs. Don't know if you've seen it. He was again. getting yeah, again. He was getting, you know, it's a bit like I mean he wasn't assaulted as such. It's just it's just, you know, I, I, harassed. Harassed, yeah. So it's like it's like walking around walking past the park, seeing a bunch of youths come at you, be like, oh, yeah, man. you know, that is a really really bad I demonstration of part. I don't I think people don't understand or appreciate the role that Chris Whitty's had. A lot he's of not, people are, are quite not a politician. No, he's giving he's a, advice. He's a doctor. Yeah. He's been he's been trusted a lot of uh, a lot of people are just needlessly irritating and um i would say uh intrusive aren't they i mean there's a you know there's a lot of people that see a public figure just go out of the way yeah go out of the way to be an idiot and yeah hope and apparently now he might be getting some protection which is a shame that it has to go to that extent again it's a shame you can't associate the fact that he's a scientist doing a lot of work on this pandemic 
you can't disassociate that from you know the governmental response obviously he's influencing that response but he's not making the final decisions he's just you know providing that link between the scientists and yeah and government so yeah silly 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 and just unnecessary um right i don't know how much you've heard of this one but this is a so batley and spen is a is a constituency in the north probably most famous for uh the it used to be the constituency of the former Labour MP uh, Joe Cox, who was murdered. Uh, was she is she the one who was shot with a makeshift yeah, firearm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was murdered um, by a far right extremist, and actually quite powerfully, her sister Kim Ledbit is now um, now in that um, running for that position uh, as Labour MP, uh, taking on the mantle after her sister uh, died. Uh, in that area and unfortunately for labor this is a seat they've actually held since 1997 but the polling suggests it's going to go to the conservatives uh with george galloway uh, i don't know if you've heard of george galloway a man who said brexit was stupid it would be stupid to leave the european union before signing up to the brexit uh movement with nigel farage and backing brexit said he'd never vote conservative before then voting conservative in 2019 he is running for as an alternative candidate and he's taken apparently, according to predictor polls, about 6% of the vote. Now, when this goes out, the polling will probably already be done by this. Um, but the long story of it, Gus, is that many of the people in Labour are saying if Labour loses this by-election that's happening right now, um, it would be another by-election that they've lost away, you know, a, a, another red seat that they have lost. Many within Labour would want Keir Starmer to resign. Now, Keir Starmer doesn't want to resign, doesn't intend to resign, even if the results go against him like many expect it to, even if they lose a seat in that by-election. But is it a concern that Labour are losing so many seats in by-elections that, you know, essentially crumbling more away at that red wall that was already in quite a bad state? I think so. I think it's the, uh, the old divide and conquer. They're slowly getting uh, eaten away. Um, it is a bit of a concern I don't know how much uh, uh, having Keir Starmer resign would do from a personal point of view especially if they got someone in who was fairly average I don't know who they would who they would appoint as the new leader but well he doesn't want to resign first of all he has no intention of stepping down and the main candidate I know you're not a big fan of, but the main candidate that they would want, according to reporters within Labour, would be Andy Burnham, who's obviously done... Uh... I don't mind Andy Burnham. Oh, I thought you said he moans I think a lot. He, uh, he does moan a lot. Well, that's his job, isn't it? That's his job. Um, that is his job. Is Your King job as a mayor say. is to moan a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, but obviously... I think. I feel... why, why, why do you think, though, that again do you think that, that Keir Starmer is the reason behind these by-election drop-offs because I know there was as, as, many, as much as Corbyn had criticisms I think one thing you could say with Jeremy Corbyn is he had a lot of powerful support and I don't mean that as in violent or anything I mean like emotional support from people who were really yeah. invested in his plans and he had it from all different groups of people people who you know loved him but he also had lots of people who despised him whereas I think with Keir Starmer you've got no one really hates Keir Starmer but then 
you, very few people would have that same powerful support and relationship yeah. that they had with Corbyn, for example. Yeah, I think Corbyn had had he'd been in the party for a long time, and I think he'd had a long time to sort of build that up. Um, and he was sort of seen by by many as the final hope. And I think perhaps uh, some of his policies, which are perhaps a little bit further left than some of Keir Starmer's, probably does sort of create that that polarization where some people really don't like him and some people really do like him. Mm. Uh, whereas I think Keir Starmer's perhaps a bit more bit more centrist and everyone's a bit indifferent. Mm. Um, but my question or my thinking would be if you think Keir Starmer's perhaps not left enough or too posh or whatever, then why would you then vote for the Tories instead? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, George Galloway, the independent candidate, said that Labour has lost the support of the white working class. Is uh, I, I, I agree with that, but they've lost that support because the Tories have led the white working class to believe that they're the party who can give them what they want by controlling immigration, uh, Brexit, Brexit, potentially uh, convincing people who perhaps would benefit from higher taxation that lower taxation uh, would benefit them. Was that old uh, adage that they use in America, isn't it? If you if you put higher taxes on, they say you're taking away your freedoms and you're becoming yeah. socialist. Whereas they yeah. say maximum freedom, as a line Donald Trump always used to go with, was to strip away the nanny state idea and you would literally be in control of your own destiny. But like you say, yeah. you need a careful balance where you, where you, where you actually re- invest in public services because if you don't, the country will rot away from around you. Yeah. I just think it's the uh, the ability of the Tory government to use whatever tricks they want marketing um, to convince non-traditional Tory voters that a Tory government will benefit them either by saying you'll have more money mm. uh, through less taxation without really telling them that, oh, the NHS that you rely on probably going to get less funding so you'll potentially be worse off um controlling immigration uh rather than simply fixing the problem by spending on education um yeah so i would i would agree that labor have lost the the working class white vote but i don't think it's because labor can't offer uh things that would benefit white working class people i Mm. think it's because perhaps the public have been slightly uh i don't want to say misled but Mm. they've formed their own opinions based on the information they've given and the opinions probably aren't in their best interests Mm. yeah so how do you counter that then um i don't really know uh I think I think the problem is when you've got Labour Labour can't Labour Labour in a bit of a predicament at the moment. I feel like mm. because they can't match perhaps some of the more extreme views on immigration that the Tories have without mm. losing perhaps a lot of their their younger fan base. Well, uh, I was actually watching. Uh, I think it was on 
I think it was on GMB News for my sins. I do watch that sometimes. And uh, GMB News, GB News, uh, the new Andrew Neil channel, which I discussed with you before went on. And they were actually saying that the new winning formula for politics seems to be right-wing ethical standpoint, left-wing economical standpoint. And that's what is going to win a general election. Would you go along those lines? Uh. Yeah, I would. Uh, unfortunately, um, mm. I would much prefer it to be uh, my right wing on wing both. Everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You fascist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer: would... Not everyone who's on the rights of fascist. That was just me using a using a very lazy stereotype. Please continue. I yeah, I would much rather it was on the, the left side of things for just to uh, even it out i'll just say not everyone on the left some marxists you know free um, <laughs> something or that i just had to even um, but yeah i think i think you're gonna you're gonna cast the uh i guess it's about as having a as wide as a lake as deep deep as a puddle approach and i think you're gonna cast the widest net if you get perhaps some of the working class white people in with mm. policies which they seem to care very strongly about mm. uh, your immigration and and such, and perhaps still try and keep the younger voters happy with uh, enough of the uh, enough of the more uh, leftist ideals on the economic side of things, higher public yeah. spending, higher education, and that probably will benefit everyone because in the end, if you spend more on education, mm. you can start to alleviate some of the ideas which are causing people to want well, right-wing ethics it depends what the curriculum is though doesn't it it depends on the curriculum yeah it does depend on the curriculum mm. but the curriculum to some extent gets to be decided by teachers yeah okay um, yeah, no, and teachers true. are fairly well educated as it stands well uh, most are very well educated <laughs> <laughs> there's there's always a few slip through yeah, the net, but, yeah, yeah. um Myself so in I China, think, I think, probably, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, I, I think, I think that that's right. I think the other way d d pleases no one. No. Uh, yeah. This way seems to do enough to please everyone. As long as you don't, as long as the, as long as the, it's, it's, I think it's going to be, have to be a sort of mild, mild right-wing uh, ethics mm. and mm. mild left-wing uh, yeah. economics. Yeah. I think as long as you don't go too far either way and you kind of keep... Not... Well, that's centre, isn't it, really? Yeah, mm. stick, in the, stick in the centre and you don't offend too many people. I think yeah. you'd be on, on a good track. Right, fantastic. Well, actually, debate section really is more tailored to this a little bit because someone informed me today at work, it's Pride Month now, I haven't... I should know that because I've seen it enough times, but I, it only just occurred with me because I do do some content creation. all the creation. companies' uh, Twitter yes, logos being changed. Yes, it should have occurred with me. Yeah, it should have occurred with me that a lot of companies do that. And, and really, debate is more this week, um, which I, you know, I find quite interesting. Anyway, it sort of tells us, and, and it is, what more do we need to do with LGBTQ+, and that kind of community? And I use plus because that's, that's uh, to encapsulate every other minority in that in that bracket um so again i've been looking on the surface on the surface 
there isn't a debate. Well, there shouldn't be a debate because it, simply following basic ethical principles, everyone should be treated with the diligence and respect that you expect to be treated with yourself. And whether that starts off with using pronouns or you know, using the correct pronouns, not using discriminatory language or or slightly uh, slightly, slightly I'm not, I'm, 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 outdated I'm, outdated language. I feel like that's a good starting point. Now, I I think that it's quite straightforward when you look at it from this perspective of saying treat everyone the same no matter who they are. Not everyone, everyone's unique and everyone's individualistic. That's fine, but there are there are some things that get thrown out uh, from people in opposition. Some of them, uh, I think, are fairly legitimate. Now, most of them, I don't think, and most of them, it's just an excuse for being homophobic. But one thing I'm interested in is, and I'd like to hear your take on it, someone argued, a gay man actually argued on the news channel, that individual representation, given that there's apparently to some people, over 100 genders and identities. He says, the gay, the, the gay man who was talking about this said that no one really cares what specific area of that spectrum that you do fall upon. And no one's really going to educate themselves to know all of those and have a good knowledge of all of those in the classroom or outside of the classroom, because quite frankly, it doesn't seem achievable. It doesn't have, it, it's not. It's it's not. Uh, it's not reasonably practicable. No, and it doesn't have. As long as you, as long as you take necessary action not to offend anyone, yeah, by not using derogatory language and not and asking them what they would like be like to be called and mm. calling them by that, yeah, then. I think if you've got a hundred, if you if you take it on a spectrum, you can have infinite gender identities. Yeah. But if you're if you're on if you're on if you're saying uh, there's a there's a, a line and there's a hundred different gender identities yep. on it, or even a circle and there's a yep. hundred different gender identities, hundred different points on that circle, there's only one percent difference. Yeah. Between each of those. Yeah. And to me, as, focus, to me, it doesn't. As much as people don't like to be grouped, you it it does end up with with groups being made uh, for practicality's sake because you can still treat everyone with respect, yeah, while having some some sort of groups together for, based on similarity. Yeah. Well, first of all, when I look at that, I see you see all the. I, I mean, to me, do, I, it's just a general question for your point of view. Do you think people desperately seek? some kind of identity or belonging so that they can for, conform to specific labeling. So for example, uh, I used to do a podcast with someone who won't reveal names, uh, but they, uh, I haven't done this with a, uh, for a while actually with this person, but they claim to be uh, their sexuality is demisexual heterogeneous. What does that mean? That means that they have a strong sense of attraction to someone when they feel a strong emotional attraction to someone of the opposite sex, which to me would, might sound ignorant, but to me that sounds like a slight variant of heterosexuality. I think, me. I think to me that sounds, uh, yes, that sounds 
like a variant of heterosexuality. But I know there's some nuance to it. But yeah, I noticed at the end every of the day they're they, attracted they... to a member of the opposite sex and they have yeah. certain things they find attractive. Yeah. And, and and they do tweet that particular definition a lot, which makes me think a lot of people maybe do see a sense of comfort in identity and specific identity. Because I think a lot of the people, a lot of people in the world really always, you know, very philosophical question, who am I? What am I? What, what do I stand for? You know, all of this. A lot of people, I think, find comfort in having a specific understanding of the self. So from that point of view, I see absolutely nothing wrong with it. The only, uh, now people will say, how do we expect to know this many whatevers? Uh, I do honestly think that 99.9% of people who do have that kind of specific um, specific definition of, of, of their own gender sexuality or uh, their being, um I do genuinely think they wouldn't expect anyone to know that and they would happily inform them of that. Um, they, they, might know, be a... they know that they're relatively unique. Yeah. Uh, or perhaps, or at the very least not in the majority. Yeah. Um, and I think as long as, as long as it looks like you're making some form of genuine effort, mm-hmm. then I think that people are generally willing to, to give or take. Well, I've um, seen. I saw. I remember Piers Morgan was on when he was. When you remember, you probably seen the interview where he said, "I want to conform. I want to be a, a two-spirited penguin, didn't he?" Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen that. Which yeah. was being a bit obnoxious on Piers Morgan's part. But the guy who was in who who he was interviewing, the person who he was interviewing, um, was talking about one hundred genders and the importance of acknowledging every gender. Now, as much as he, that that person might be trying to stick up for the LGBTQ plus community, give it some coverage so an interview like that which says you should be acknowledging and respectful of the well not respectful yes but you should acknowledge and take on board 100 plus identities to me if i'm i don't know of an older generation or whatever i look at that in a negative sense and think so these kind of people discussing that minority group already it's a minority of the minority that are going out there sort of saying you need to be fully understanding of this they're giving the minority a bad name they're giving the LGBTQ plus a bad name because it's almost like we are forcing this on you. When you hear over 100 genders, I don't care if you're of an older generation or whatnot, and the kind of languages, these must all be acknowledged, blah, blah, blah. Then particularly, as I say, the older generations are going to be like, whoa, hang on, what's going it's on? It's a lot all at crazy. once, I think. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if you, if you focus and talk about in terms of where does LGBTQ plus need to go, why I, I think Prime was very effective for a variety of reasons uh, in that it allows uh, a voice to a minority group that still does suffer uh, a, a great sense of discrimination, even in Britain, never mind the countries where it's actually illegal to be anything but a heterosexual, it would seem. Um, but I would say that in terms of our education and it's a difficult one to get across because I know there's so much opposition already to having LGBTQ plus lessons, not that there should be, but we, we have to strike a careful blend, I think, of when it's introduced, along with sex education, when sex education introduced. I mean, I personally think it should be the right at the end of primary school or the very start of high, of, of high school. I think that's um, a good starting point, yeah. And I think if you start it at the start of high school, there's much less of an opposition to that movement because as soon as you say oh, we'll do it at the final year of primary school, you can hear the opposition. Why are they teaching my kids about the gay community yeah. and gay sexual yeah. activities or whatever, right? 
but you don't have that same opposition, I don't think, if they are in high school, of which point you should be developing those kind of feelings anyway. I don't think you do at primary school, but at high school, again, I think that's where it sort of moves. High school's where you exploit your yourself and your yeah. person, your character and stuff. Yeah. But you do need, I do think it's so important that we do get a therapy. I mean, I, I've said this across the board, not just that, but also of of other minority groups, of of even the, the benefits of, of immigration, because I just think so many people are getting filled with hatred over things they don't fully engage with, they don't fully understand. The amount of people that are probably transphobic because they've never met a trans person or don't know what a trans person is like is, 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 is crazy, really. Yeah. Crazy. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it, I think in, in certain situations, um, perhaps in cities, mm. uh, where, communities are multicultural and more more diverse is better (laughs) people people get exposed to that quickly and they learn and they can understand through through picking it up and through interacting with people but with uh with perhaps more rural or more isolated communities i think there does need to be some level of education Mm. some basic level of education in there Mm. as like a baseline uh minimum standard whether that uh, requires everyone to know all 100 gender identities or whether that uh, includes enough that people know that uh, everyone can be unique and that they can how to treat each other with respect mm. um, I don't think personally I think the way I see it I, I, and I think education is essential on that on the, and, and you're right actually I, I do think actually you see a lot of people who are of maybe a backward mindset in that or, or perceived backward mindset in, in terms of their thoughts on LGBTQ plus in terms of immigration, in terms of lots of different things. But I always do think, even though you say, Oh, how can you be so horrible? You're only a product, as I say, of your environment quite often. And if your parents were of that mindset and your school, which is in, as you say, a more rural or, or working class town was of that mindset and you don't leave and you don't go to university, you will have that mindset when you're an adult. And when you've had that mindset, when you're an adult, very hard to get out of it. Very, very, yeah. very difficult. Whereas for me, I did grow up, uh, you know, uh, in a, in a working class a town, a working class school. And when I went to university, my mindset changed quite a lot because of that experience, but it's not an experience. A lot of people in my area would get. And it's a reason why I suppose a lot of people are going to grow up with, I would say less, uh, discriminatory beliefs to what maybe their the other generations did, but they'll still have it ingrained somewhere. I think because again, it, it travels slowly there, and I think I suppose if you're in a middle class area, in a middle class town, or or you're in a middle or you're in a city, you would just see you wouldn't understand that as much. I don't think, and you wouldn't you wouldn't engage with that as much. You just see a group of maybe homophobic or racist people who are filled with hatred, which which is true on one sense, but they weren't born that way. Yeah. I think uh I think as well there's people there's people who have the hatred for no reason and there's people who perhaps don't have the hatred but they don't uh know how to be respectful or they're not quite mm. uh well educated enough. Which is why again education is, is absolutely in a, in a base level is so important when you when you, when we talk about the hundred plus i don't think that's necessarily important i think an acknowledgement that it's there and that there are nuances but for each one you know in detail i'm sure even then 
you might get one or two people saying, oh, every, everything must be known. But I think the vast majority, almost 99% of people of that community LGBTQ+, with these nuanced identities, would simply settle for the plus that there are yeah. a, a variety of, of, of different um, they would identities. yeah i think they would i think people people just want to be called by the right thing and mm. not be talked down to mm. no, absolutely um, and i think they i think i think if you have or you identify as a sexuality that perhaps the thousandth of a percentage point yeah identify as i think at some level you will have to accept that it's not common and it's not something that people are readily exposed to but then if you felt that um, way in general and you felt you identified as that i'm sure you would be then of the mindset that you would explain that to other people and you shouldn't really i wouldn't imagine you should get tired of that because again it's something you you you've clearly thought a lot about yourself. you've clearly thought a lot about you clearly um want to be like that you clearly have a specific idea of who you are and who you want to be so there should be no worry about explaining that to others that is your decision you live how you want to live and others should be respectful of that whether people should know all of those specific nuances well they shouldn't i don't think a base understanding is what's needed and again just a bit of common sense really from both sides more from the um from the from those who are opposing any kind of education to it come on you know get with the times uh to a point Obviously, there's a there's a, there's an inherent there's a back channeling of fear um, or repressed anger that you just don't know why it's there, and that's probably been embedded for a long time, as you say, in these non non diverse areas. But unfortunately, you know, the only way out is is through is through is through careful education. I think that is, you know, absolutely. I mean, they were talking today in the. In the um, in the area we were just discussing actually uh, about Labour, uh, Batley and Spen, they were discussing that that LGBTQ plus education was one stumbling block for a few people. And I, yeah, I do, I do find it, I, it, sometimes you just need to sort of, you need to explain your reasoning, need to try and compromise. If you can't compromise, you just have to get it done and put it in and t- take the flack a bit. We had, uh, like we had, decency. We had PSHE, or PSHCE when we were in high school hmm. and hour every two weeks felt yeah. like a bit of a wasted lesson yeah. but something something like uh you know getting getting sort of like the base level of respect there for yeah. LGBTQ plus people or and it is important people of color yeah. um perhaps in more rural communities yeah that hour every two weeks could be used very effectively yeah Respect um, especially the if it's done from the perspective of someone who understands how to educate people who don't understand, perhaps. That's the best, I and think. To, and to not put it in a patronizing way, mm. uh, I think, is the, is the key there, really, especially for people who perhaps wouldn't have that environment at home. Yep. Um, yeah. I think creating an environment that's... Uh, helps people realize in schools is the right way forward yeah i completely agree and i mean that's just a way to sort of signal it's the end of pride month or will be a june mean pride month and there is still quite a long way to go uh with that movement um and you know sometimes and i guess you've sort of got to have a compromise on both sides really but um 
yeah, I would uh, I would say yeah, root root form of it, education, get that sorted, and uh, and yeah, I suppose happy Pride Month. For those in yeah, all the Twitter uh, logos yeah. are getting changed back tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. There's another thing: the businesses could probably be a bit more, um, I don't know, less marketing less, during less that virtu- month. A bit less bit... virtue signalling from the businesses, please. Yeah. Oh, you sound like something on the something from the right there. I guess we don't want any of this virtue signalling nonsense. Um, but you know, yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. Anyway, less, yeah, less performative. Uh, <laughs> nonsense from the businesses very good very good very good put it on a bit early yeah take it off a bit late or if you don't agree yeah yeah well i've always thought if you don't agree with something there's you know we do listen you're entitled not to agree with something what you're not entitled to do is be unnecessarily discriminative what you're not entitled to do is be you know a, a bit of a muppet that's not what you're entitled to do you're you can you're entitled to disagree with things democracy if you don't like a particular group for whatever reason, you are entitled not to like that. We can't force you not to. But it's one thing not liking someone for whatever reason. It's another thing going out of your way to make the life of these people hell. That's not what you want to yeah. do. But because, you, again, you cannot you cannot force mindsets on people. That is authoritarian. Anyway, um, I, well, we, we have to, as I thought, we might have to leave the US section for this week. There are, generally, I'll just pass on my regards to anyone in America who is suffering from the uh, extreme weather conditions across um, uh, several states in, in, in America, uh, wishing them all the best, Joe Biden, on the case with that. And also Kamala Harris looking at... Um, looking at the border of America after that came under some scrutiny with some Republican voters and Republican managers. She's gone over there to sort the situation out on the border. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, of course, Donald Trump was very strong on immigration control and uh, while the Democrats would like to think they are as well, um, I suppose they'll always be under scrutiny from some people who were on the Republican side of that voting as far as that is because Donald Trump was very, you know, anti uh, well very for america first as he called it so quite a different uh, tact in leadership anyway uh no real funny story as such because that was quite a lengthy one but um yeah as as noted uh because i think i don't think i mentioned it last time it, i am two vaccines so that's very good because he's one vaccine so that's very good adam is one vaccine that is very good as well uh please do get it if you can uh it would be good you can get your third or your fourth um <laughs> Around around autumn and, and winter, I if, get one free. if if that's to be uh, believed, if if we're going to get boosted, I'll take out, another one. Yeah, so um, you know, uh, be sure I'd to. Uh, a, uh, that's wherever you are in the world. I'd even take one from another thing. I'd even take an AstraZeneca. Oh no, that's like risky, Pokemon risky, badges. Risky, yeah, it's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, uh, well, we don't we say don't... it's risky, but it's less risky than COVID, and it's less risky than some other medication. So. And on that note, what a, wonderful, what a wonderful way to end. Please do review. Please do like or rate, and please do subscribe. That would be outstanding. Um, at Pint and Paul on Twitter. Largely inactive, really. Um, one, because I'm quite busy. Two, because the following's on the other podcast. Uh, and three, um, because, well... I'll just reiterate, I'm, very, I'm a very, very busy human being, but if you do follow that or follow at the Johnny Bentley or just or follow Gus's mysterious Twitter that doesn't seem to exist, so don't do that. Follow me. I don't have a Twitter. He doesn't have a Twitter at they the Johnny Bentley. If they want. You can follow him at, at Micklewright, Gus? Gus. Gus Micklewright, yeah. Yeah, it's usually the other way around. But yeah, fantastic. Um, 
lovely, lovely, lovely. Do all of that. At Michael Ragnos, at Lee Johnny Bentley on Twitter. Don't follow me on Instagram. Um, you can do if you want. Bentley Johnny. Uh, and um, and yeah, at Pintable on Twitter. Take care. Stay safe. Get jabbed if you are that way inclined. Um, as I say, we do live in a democracy. And uh, yeah, stay safe. Thank you. Bye.